Good afternoon, good afternoon, good afternoon. This is Injured Reserve Podcast with your host, me, myself, and I, Mitchell Anderson. And man, oh man, what can I say about my Michigan Wolverines? Uh, Lots of review over here just uh, this past Saturday in general. And man, I don't even know where to begin. I feel like a lot of Wolverine fans are having a bad hangover. A lot of them drank their stars away. I did not. I was just, if anything, I was just more devastated than anything. But let's just jump right into it, folks. Simple as this. Number four, Michigan Wolverines going to Columbus, Ohio. Gets number 10th ranked Ohio State Buckeyes. You arguably, we could say this is Jim Harbaugh's second biggest game of his career. The first being when he coached for the San Francisco 49ers for the Super Bowl against his brother, the Baltimore Ravens. Now, a lot of people are going to question what went wrong, what was going on, and it's plain and simple, folks. In reality, Coach uh, Urban Meyer out-coached Jim Harbaugh. It comes down to that, simple as that. And when you got the number one defense in the nation and your offense, yeah, if he ranked top 50 in the nation, I don't have an exact number, but they're around 39-40. And you have the second best offense in the nation, and their defense is at the, in Ohio State's defense is at the bottom of the barrel, somewhere between 70 and 80th in the nation. And they just simply slaughter your defense 62 39. A lot of people raise questions why didn't the defense show up? And the truth be told, the defense did show up, but to a certain extent, only to the first half. Things were going great. But things went flat when Ohio State just went on a run like that come the start of the second half. You know, it was 19-24. to 24. We had the momentum. Uh, we, at one point, we really did, you know, had the lead. But then Ohio State got that quick score at the end of the first half. Got that field goal. And, uh, God, it's it was rough to watch. I mean, Dwayne Haskins... Uh, has to be up for the Heisman, arguably the uh, the best quarterback in college football, Dwayne Haskins, 20 of 31, 396 yards, average 13, close to 13 yards a pass, six passing touchdowns. The defense, y'all got to do something, get pressure on that man. They did not get pressure. The number one so-called defense in the nation did not get pressure on Dwayne Haskins. Uh as they got pressure on Shea Patterson, he was 20 of 34, 187 yards, barely only five yards a pass, which is just tremendously bad. Three touchdowns, one pick. So he didn't play a bad game. It's just when you're playing a conservative game like that throughout the entire game, that's what you're going to get. Those are the results you're going to get. I love, I get it. Like, our, our main so-called play calling on the offensive side of the ball is solely just, you know, grind the ball out, up the middle, up the middle, then pass. But it got predictable just like that. Two run plays, then a pass, and a third, you don't convert, then you punt. And eventually the defense is going to get tired, and hence why they gave up 62 points. So with that, the offensive play calling, Jim Harbaugh has to go back to the drawing board, has to you know, look through the offense. The defense ain't going to be the worrisome next year. It's going to be the offense. We got to look at something like, look, man, we, we can't be as conservative. We got to be play out lights out like Ohio State. They're ranked second in the nation off- in, uh, in their offense. Number one is the Oklahoma Sooners. They won in a shootout against West Virginia uh, yesterday as well, 59-56. 
So, but not to give up that many points. So it, it still came down to the coaching, and they, they just were not prepared for this game whatsoever. Um, the first half was great, but after that, they gave up 17 points in the third quarter, didn't score at all, and the rest was history. You know, so it's just we were we came out the second half and just flat. Once the Ohio State scored 17 consecutive points, that was game set match nail in the coffin. No ifs ands about it. I switched the game to be honest with you. I knew how this the rest of the game was gonna play out. It just it, it wasn't meant to be. Uh, but uh, truth be told, excuse me. Uh, we were actually down 1921 at uh, before the end of the first half, and then with 41 seconds left, you had the number one best defense in the country. You cannot allow a field goal, and they did with 41 seconds left. They had two timeouts left for Ohio State, and ended up going in the halftime 24-19. Now, with that being said, we got lucky considering the fact that you know we we scored, and then Ohio State's kick returner fumbled the ball before the. You know, before they had the first half, and that's has well, that's why we got that quick score within you know six seconds. There's 47 seconds left. We scored down 21-13. They fumble the ball on the kick return, and at 41 seconds, we score on the very next play after the fumble recovery. So with that, you know, our defense did great. You know, on the score they don't, but we held them to a lot of field goals. No, but their defense as well held us to field goals as well. You know, so it's just, uh, it was iffy. And then, you know, they gave a field goal, and Michigan got too conservative in the second, you know, in the second half. They gave up a field goal to start uh, Ohio State's drive, 27-19. But then, you know, hey, uh, Ohio State was able to pick up the play calling that Jim was given, and soon that block punt, they gave up 34 points. That wasn't on the defense. And then uh, we got we got stuffed again, and then uh, Ohio State scores real quick. I believe it was a turnover after that with a uh, interception. So that was forty-one nineteen. That was three minutes left in the third, and then you know the rest just got ugly from there. Um, yeah, it's just it, this. This comes down to the coaching. Simple as that. Uh, it's just, it was ugly. Dwayne Haskins played a hell of a game. Shea Patterson did his things. But, man, we put up 39 points and you still lose the game. It's just, think we, there, some plays weren't executed. And the defense eventually got tired. When you get conservative play calling and eventually get third and out, third and out, you know, your defense eventually is going to get tired. And, you know, an interception doesn't help and a block punt doesn't help. There's 14 point swing right there. You know, I mean, so uh it's just yeah, it it was rough all around. I was definitely devastated. Like I said, I turned the game off after the third. It's just it wasn't looking good. And it, the thing is is our rush offense was great. Karen Hidgen did his thing. 15 carries, 72 yards, uh close to 5 yards to carry. But, you know, Mike Weber for Ohio State did his thing as well. You know, 13 rushes, almost eclipsed 100 yards at 96 yards and a rushing touchdown. And it's just the number one defense just got throttled. Simple as that. Um, 300, uh, you get over 500 yards offense on the number one defense in the nation. It's just, 
man, it, it comes down to coaching. Simple as that. And Michigan put up, you know, they, they, they put up over 400 yards of offense as well. But it, it the, those kind of stats, it comes down between the two coaches of Harbaugh and Meyer. It was disappointing. It was it was tough, and it's just ugh. so now the Big Ten championship is set between Ohio State and Northwestern. Northwestern at eight and four. They have an eight and one conference record. They played really well this year, and um, so it's gonna come down to Ohio State Northwestern. I don't see North Ohio State folding. They're definitely making they're making that reach for the college football playoffs, and we'll see how that goes. Because obviously, I mean, this was a statement game for Ohio State, and now if they make the same kind of thing with Northwestern a statement game, that can as well enhance their chances for making the college football playoffs. But you know, we'll see how that goes. Uh, there's Northwestern, Ohio State. And then uh, there's also to come to think of Alabama and Georgia for the national, or no, excuse me, not national title, but the SEC conference championship. So there's still that to settle. And a lot of people like Clemson and Oklahoma as well, and I like those picks as well. Um, but uh, I don't know. I had Bama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State in my college football playoffs. So we'll see how things turn out. They're 10th in the nation with this huge win. I'm sure they'll jump to probably number seven. Or, you know, maybe a number six. And with this Big Ten championship, maybe they'll be able to, you know, squeeze on by just a little bit to finally reach that four spot. Possibly three, uh, depending on how next Saturday goes when it comes comes to the conference championships. Uh, it does help the fact that, you know, Washington beat Washington State, who was ranked eighth in the nation. Washington was ranked 16th. Uh Florida did their thing. Georgia beat Georgia Tech 45-21. They're fifth in the nation, so they'll jump to 4-3 after Michigan losing. Uh, but, uh, yeah, this is uh, this was a tough loss, no no doubt, for any, for any Michigan fan. Uh, Bama did their thing against the War Eagle rivalry uh, with them and Auburn. Auburn really hasn't been relevant since the Cam Newton era, though. Uh, LSU lost in uh, seven overtimes against Texas A&M. That game was wild, 74-72. to Seven OTs. How tired do you have to be after that game? That's just nuts. Um, so, yeah, uh, Clemson, they're ranked second in the nation, and they, they throttled uh, South Carolina at 635. Uh, and let's not forget, folks, Central Florida still undefeated too, so I don't know if anyone forgot about them. People are forgetting about uh, University of Central Florida. They're undefeated. They're on a 24-game win streak, um, but you know people don't give them the respect they deserve because you know for obvious reasons for um, weak conference play. Um, they're in the uh, the. Uh, the American Athletic Conference. Uh, the problem is, is that their their starting quarterback has to undergo knee surgery, broke his leg, injuring his right knee, and um, so now they got Memphis uh, for the conference championship. Uh, Twenty four game win streak, but they beat everyone they were supposed to beat. Um, so yeah, this is uh, this is gonna be interesting uh, how the BCS is gonna shape up because uh, right now Central Florida is ranked ninth in the nation, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll see how things go from there. But uh, overall, 
uh, you know, as a Michigan fan, I'm very thankful. It was a great, it was a great season. You know, we beat everyone we're supposed to beat besides Ohio State. You know, uh, uh, Jim Harbaugh has done ten times better compared to the last two coaches that Michigan has had in their history. You know, Brady Hoke started off strong for Michigan. They went 11-2, and even beating Ohio State, but that was during the time when Jim Trestle had to depart, and they're going through their little thing. And they had an interim coach at the time. And I believe Ohio State finished 6-6 six and six that season, so... Uh, there's that. So Michigan was 11 and two, and then they went eight and five, seven and six, and five and seven in the Brady Hoke era. Um, their only highlight for him was winning the Sugar Bowl. So, um, yeah. With that being said, you know he went 31 and 20, and 18 and 14 for the Michigan Wolverines. 18 and 14 in the Big Ten play. Then you had Rich Rodriguez, the man before him. Uh, had a great resume. Uh, he was uh, good at West Virginia, 16 and 26 at West Virginia, 34 and 14 conference play. Um, you know he was winning games there. He was getting his team's ranked in the top 10 at one season. He ranked fifth, winning the Sugar Bowl, going 11 and one back in 05 with West Virginia. Then he went to Michigan, tried to bring his playbook to to Midwest play, and it just did not work out. They went three and nine, then five and seven, then seven and six, and Michigan finishing his overall record at Michigan at fifteen and twenty two. He's six and eighteen in Big Ten play for Rich Rod. So, so once once Michigan went through the Rich Rod and then the Brady Hoke eras, then they finally you know gave a hefty payday and a big contract to Jim Harbaugh, who at the time was going through his contract dispute in the front office, controversy between him and the San Francisco 49ers. Things didn't go their way after, you know, after they didn't win the Super Bowl. They had some conflict, and things just you know, weren't right. So Harbaugh departed, and obviously you can see Stan Fran hasn't been the same since Harbaugh left, and then he came to Michigan. And you look at his record, I mean, people are saying fire Harbaugh, but really, how much better can you get for Michigan? This is the this is the Michigan team that we have to agree to have on. I know we won a national title. It's been over 20 seasons. I get that. I won a national title too. But Jim has to be stop being so stubborn and give up the offensive play calling to someone who knows how to run just a little bit better and not so conservative and not so predictable. Run, run, pass, run, run, pass, over and over again. It gets tiring after a while. Yes, it works for a little bit, but only to a certain extent. So with that being said, you know, his first he, he's 38 and 13 at Michigan. He's 26 and 9 in Big Ten play. He's 2 and 2 against Michigan State. He's 0 and 4 against Ohio State. So truth be told, you know, Yes, those losses against Ohio State, that's a must for anyone in Michigan. But besides that, is has he really done that bad of a job? No, last season was the worst he had. They were 8-5, and 5-4 five, five and four in Big Ten play. Besides that, you know, like a, he's 38-32, and 26-9 in Big Ten play. He's doing a great job. Keep Jim Harbaugh. I don't know how else he can get better from that. Michigan will do better. He just has to switch up the. He needs to go back to the drawing board, look at what happened at this game, and decide what to do with the offensive game plan. You know, everyone. Karen Hidgen, he had a phenomenal season this year, over a thousand yards rushing. Stick with that play calling, but develop better when it comes to passing. Don't be so scared to throw the ball down the field. You know, it was just. Um, you can't. We can't be averaging five, six yards to throw with Shea Patterson. 
you know, with uh, Ohio State's QB, they were getting 13, 14 yards average of passing. So something around that nature, we need to get that. We need to be. We need to have a dependable quarterback that's be able to, uh, you know, that we can rely on when the when the pressure comes, when you're down by two possessions. Because sooner or later, our players get wide eyed like deer's in the headlights, and you see what you get, what you see. That was sixty two thirty nine final. So right now, Harbaugh's done a great job, done a phenomenal job at Michigan. But uh, people are saying this and that that he's gonna leave. He ain't gonna leave. He know he. He knows he's he has not exceeded uh, Michigan's expectations. He has improved phenomenally, but you know he he knows what's in the way. That's Ohio State and a BCS title. That's what he wants. I believe he's motivated more than ever. Uh, this was definitely, if not the most humbling game he can get out of his entire career. Uh, so with that being said, um, I think he will do better. Um, he he's gonna take a look at that offensive game plan, and uh, hopefully have a quarterback that's be that's as dangerous as a Tool or a Haskins. But with that being said, this is Injured Reserve Podcast, and we'll be back shortly. And welcome back to Injured Reserve Podcast. So, um, while that one devastation in Columbus, Ohio, was happening between Michigan and Ohio State, there was another. There was another devastation that was going on later on that night uh, under the first MMA promotion brand by uh, professional, former professional boxer Oscar De La Hoya, uh, Golden Boy. Pro- Promotions, I believe it was called, and uh, he's starting his all MMA brand. And um, his first pro- big brand promotion for MMA was Chuck Liddell versus Tito Ortiz three. And I knew this was going to be a problem from the start, because much like the Khabib versus Conor McGregor fight. Connor was out of the octagon for two years and was y'all could see the results were pretty fair and square after the first round could be was just an octagon fighting shape and there's a difference between being in shape and then fighting shape and when you stay out that ring or octagon or cage or whatever for that for that long Man, it doesn't it doesn't matter who you are, how great you are. When you're out of that when you're out of that type of environment for that long, you you can't just expect to come back swinging like uh, you know, like you were before. Chuck Liddell didn't, hasn't fought in the cage in 8 years, right? His last fight was UFC 115. Back in the summer of 2010, eight years ago, uh, when he fought Rich Franklin, and Rich Franklin ended up knocking him out. Chuck Liddell uh, uh, soon retired after that. He's 21 and eight at the time, you know, and was a was a legend to the sport of the UFC. Um, 
light heavyweight champion, defended defended it consecutive times. And um, he was known for, you know, his stand-up game. But, and he was known for his rivalry between him and Ortiz, who were once, um, you know, partners at one point in time. But during that era, Liddell was the man in the light heavyweight division, and he dominated Ortiz not once but twice. And, well, Tito Ortiz finally got his revenge on Liddell after... <laughs> when you can't, you can't fight someone who's been doing it uh, more frequently than, than Liddell. Um, Tito Ortiz had about three fights in him since... Uh, I don't know, whenever, because I believe Tito Ortiz retired for a little, for a little long time, and then ended up coming back, and then fighting in uh, Bellator for a little bit, and the age gap is huge, Ortiz is 43, Liddell is 48, soon to be 49 in December, and, man, it's just... Ortiz retired for two years, then came back for Bellator, and two he he fought four fights during that during that span from 2014 to 2017. So if you expect someone, <laughs> if you're expecting to knock someone out who's been more active than you, it's the odds are very unlikely. And watching that fight, Chuck Liddell just looked stiff. He wasn't him old self, and. Man, it just wasn't the the Iceman that we once knew. And Chuck was just stiff, hardly threw any punches, really. And Ortiz ended up catching him late in the first round, and that was it. And Chuck Liddell said he's not sure what he, he wants to do after this fight, but, man, it's just best just to stay retired. You're soon to be 49 December, uh... Everyone says every last fighter is one last great fight in them, which may be true, but that's already surpassed Liddell, I believe. It's just, you can only go so far in that type of profession until your heart's into it, but when it comes to your, just your body and even your brain succumbs to that kind of pain, when you got knocked out or hit in the head so many times, there comes a point in time where your brain is just like enough is enough and you get knocked out more frequent more frequently. I can't exactly remember the science behind it, but I remember reading about it. Every fighter who fights for a long long extended time, so many punches that they take to the head, there comes a certain certain time in their brain where it just clicks like, dude, your body can't take this, and you're just going to get knocked out. And that, those fighters just don't have that chin anymore. So, T.D. Ortiz, uh, now 20-12-1, he still plans on fighting. He's 43 years old. Um, believe in, uh, he turns 44 come January. And... Even for him, I mean, I I don't know, like, he did look great, I will give him that, but I don't know, any kind of fighter I feel like in their 40s, that's, uh, 
it's a uh, it's a dangerous sport to be to be fighting that long. But um, nonetheless, um, I hope Liddell just stays retired. But who knows? I could be wrong because you know. My my favorite fighter of all time and Fedor Emelianenko came back. He took a two three year hiatus, came back, and he's been on a win. Uh, well, I wouldn't say winning streak, but he's had a few big uh, victories in his uh, resume since his uh, first retirement. I mean he he's uh, he's beaten Frank Mir, he's beaten uh, Chael Sonnen uh, since he signed with Bellator. His first his first debut in Bellator didn't go well against Matt Mitrione. Uh he got knocked out, but he he's beaten Frank Mir, Chael Sonnen. He's 38-5-1. He's got a fight for the heavyweight uh championship in Bellator against Ryan Bader, which is going to be the ultimate test cuz Ryan Bader is um he's still in his prime. And Chael Sonnen and Frank Mir like no, no knocks those guys. Those guys are—they were in great fighting, phenomenal shape. They're still active, but they're not the guys that we once knew. Same, same goes for Fedor. But the fact that Fedor, you know, he—he he was able to pull off what he, he was able to do, knock, knocking out Frank Mir and Chael Sonnen in the first round. You know, so. But I think after this Ryan Bader fight, I hope Fedor stays retired. I mean, he's. Uh, He's up there as well when it comes to age. He's uh, he's 42. Uh, he, he turned 42 back in September. So it's just uh, you know, <coughs> excuse me. I mean, he did. Re- he retired back in 2012, but ever since then, for he's four and one since his comeback. I hope after this this next fight, he stays retired. Cause there's only there's only so much that the human body can take. But uh, with that being said, uh, Ortiz look he did look great against Chuck Liddell. Liddell was stiff. Eight years of the octagon will do that to you. He, Chuck Liddell looked like in phenomenal shape too, but he he looked like he just didn't have that punching power anymore, and he just he looked he he just looked stiff. That's the best way to put it. He hardly threw any punches. He kind of looked almost looked like a deer in the headlights. Uh, it's, it just it looks like uh, you know the the controls on the controller like died if you're playing like a UFC game. But uh, with that being said, um, who knows what the future holds for the Iceman? Like I said, I hope he stays retired. Uh, it's hard to see you know fighters, great fighters like that fall. Uh, legends sometimes fall hard. In, but in order to learn that, to finally realize that they have to stay retired. But with that being said, let's take a little 180 and talk about um, recent record that was broken yesterday. Tom Brady has now become the NFL all-time leader in passing yards in NFL history. He just passed Peyton Manning on that list. Um... He's thrown now for, or excuse me, excuse, uh, I totally misread that. Tom Brady has become NFL's all-time leader in total passing yards, uh, all-time leader in passing yards, including regular season and postseason. 
So he moves past Peyton Manning for most pa- passing yards in NFL history, regular impulse season. In terms of regular season, Brady remains fourth all-time. He's behind Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, and Brett Favre. But here's a couple of the other records that Brady holds. When it comes to NFL records, he has 15 division titles, 37 playoff games, 27 playoff wins, 71 playoff touchdowns. These are all postseason. Uh, 10,226 yards, 8 Super Bowl appearances, 5 Super Bowl wins, four, 4 Super Bowl MVPs, 18, 18 Super Bowl touchdowns, and 2,576 yards and Super Bowl passing yards. Uh, right now he's looking solid. You know, he was, he was, he's starting to look a little more human. I think a lot of people are starting to take notice of that this year. I mean, he, he does look solid though for a 41 year old, 19 passing touchdowns and only seven picks. And he's at 65% completion percentage in terms of the season. But, uh, there came a strict. There came a little patch where he didn't throw a touchdown pass for a while. Um, he was. It was the last uh, four or last three games actually, where he only threw one touchdown actually, and uh, that's very unlikely at Tom. But nonetheless, uh, he's still having a great season. That's like, he's having. That's for a season like Brady. 19 and 7 and people are like oh that's you know Brady's starting to look human that's still pretty solid numbers nonetheless um I have him on have him on fantasy team so he was a little uh, the numbers were looking a little dry for a little bit <clears throat> excuse me but uh the 41 year old still putting up great stats nonetheless um New England now takes the first place in the AFC playoff picture with uh, my Steelers losing to Denver. They lost to Denver on the final drive. Uh, ben threw a terrible pass uh, to try to tie the game, and it was picked off in the end zone with a minute left to spare, and that was it. So with that, the Patriots are now 8-3. and three. They lead the AFC East. Miami at five and six. They lost to the Jets. Buffalo four and seven. The Jets three and eight. Buffalo. How about Buffalo? I mean, um, beating Jacksonville. I mean, I believe it was. I mean, <laughs> it's it's kind of funny because Jalen Ramsey, Jalen Ramsey, their cornerback. Right before the game, went to Buffalo and said, your quarterback's trash. And, well, I mean, I mean, <laughs> it's just kind of ironic and funny to me. But, uh, obviously, the quarterback wasn't trash enough because they still took that L. Jacksonville's definitely a surprise team. Surprised me this year, going 3-8. and eight. They need a quarterback. Blake Bortles ain't the guy. They need to figure something else out. Uh, my Steelers still uh, top of the AFC North, seven three and one. Baltimore's right behind them though at six and five. <clears throat> uh, 
How about Houston though? Houston seven and three. Indy's hanging in there though. So is Tennessee at five and five. AFC South is a little tight. Besides Jacksonville, who's they're they're done for this season. Uh, AFC West. I mean, Kansas City and Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, Kansas City's at nine and two. The Chargers eight and three. That's that's gonna be a, a close finish near the end of the season. And then uh, the NFC East, the Dallas Cowboys on a three-game win streak. Got to give credit where credit is due. They were 2-5. and five. They're fighting back. Every game is a playoff game, it seems like they're playing. Uh, they, they did beat Washington on Thanksgiving, so that's huge. So they, they lead the NFC East with that victory. Uh, Philly, they don't look like the Super Bowl team that we knew last year. They're 5-6. and six. Um Right now, their their chances of repeating for the playoffs is dwindling very fast. They have to finish out five games strong. They won this past week, so they got to end the season on a six six game win streak on a high note, and hopefully get up playoff spot. Depending on how Dallas and Washington happens, nonetheless, though, it is the Dallas Cowboys, and they're an accident waiting to happen. I've seen this happen before, so. If, but it's on Zeke, though, reality. If Zeke isn't getting over, if he isn't getting his touches and he's not getting over 100 yards rushing, Dallas struggles, no doubt about it. Um, NFC North, the Bears looking great. They beat Detroit on Thanksgiving Day. Um, the Lions, that they're at 4-7. and seven. Uh, I predicted they go 4-12 and 12 this year or 5-11. and 11. I think maybe even six and ten. I can't remember exactly, but nonetheless, I had them not even coming close to five hundred. Um, but Minnesota, they were able to pull off that victory last night over Green Bay, uh, winning twenty-four to seventeen. And I mean, Kirk Cousins had a hell of a game, throwing three passing touchdowns last night for the Sunday night game. Rodgers, uh, 198 yards, one touchdown. You know, like I said before, we got to stop with the excuses for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, <laughs> it's just, this is, the, this is what you get. You get the highest paid quarterback in the league, and your team is, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, your team is 4-6-1, and one, so. Uh, and by the way, the, the Packers are 0-6. The Packers are 0-6. So, there's that. Uh, the Saints, uh, still strong. 10-game win streak since they started off 0-1 of the season. They won 10 straight. And it looks like no signs of slowing down. Uh, Drew Brees looks ph- phenomenal. I still have him as the MVP favorite. Rams, 10-1 uh, and as well. Um, man, it's gonna be it's gonna be a tight finish come the uh, NFC Championship race. But uh, with that being said, I'm gonna take a quick little break, and you're listening to Injured Reserve Podcast. Welcome back to Injured Reserve. So, it's week 14 of uh, college football, and 
Y'all know what that means for the most part. Winding down and conference championships are upon us. We can see what the playoff picture fits out. And, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of big matchups. Texas versus Oklahoma. Um, Bama versus Georgia. Northwestern against Ohio State. Clemson against Pittsburgh. So, that just, we'll see what kind of picture comes to comes to reveal itself after the end of this week. Um, if I'm a betting man, I take Oklahoma against Texas. It's going to be a shootout yet again with Oklahoma. Texas has been prone to get in shootouts themselves. Granted, they're only ranked 14th in the nation, but I believe they can do it. They've been able to put up over 40 points, and Oklahoma has zero defense whatsoever. This game's going to be a 50-42 to 42 type of game. Oklahoma wins. I believe they'll fi- they'll I think they'll get that final spot in the playoff picture. They'll squeeze right on by. They're ranked number six right now, so they're they're just hanging on. They're just a little bit below everyone else. Uh, then Bama, Georgia. I got to take Bama. Bama just owns Georgia like Ohio State does my Wolverines. Every year, it's the same result. Uh, it's just, man, it's just it's tough to it's it's a hard thing. It's a hard pill to swallow, but. Bama hasn't slowed down all year long, and George's ranked number fifth. I don't, I don't see them pulling this upset. I really don't. And even if they do, the question is, does Bama follow the rankings after that one little loss? You know what I mean? Uh, they lose to number five George. Do they, do they drop out of the playoff picture? I don't see them doing that. I think at four they'll drop, maybe third, and even then we could see another rematch, which is, which is just nuts. I mean, uh, I don't see Clemson losing the number 24-ranked Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, I mean, they could bring their A game. They could make it a close game. I think it would be a field goal game. But I don't see Clemson losing. Um, so, Ohio State, I think they're they're just a little too far behind. I don't think they'll be able to squeeze on by. Um Unless uh, some magic does happen, unless Georgia, I, the only way I see Ohio State getting in there is if Texas wins, Georgia wins. Um, God, and Pittsburgh wins. That's the only way I see Ohio State getting in that that college football playoffs. They need Pittsburgh, Georgia. Hell, even Central Florida losing against Memphis would help. Because they're, they're on a 24-game win streak since last season. They're ranked number ninth in the country. And uh, like I said, Texas. That's the only way I see uh, the Buckeyes making the playoff picture. But, man, that's that's a lot. The odds of that happening is just you might as well play the lotto at that point. But uh, I don't see that happening whatsoever. Uh, Got to take Bama. I'll take Oklahoma. Take Clemson. Um, but yeah, it's just uh, it ain't it ain't looking too good for the Buckeyes this year. But um, the, the sickening thing is, is that I mean, Georgia's a great team. They're eleven and one on the season. They haven't slowed down one bit. Uh, they look like basically the same team. The only problem is. Is that their passing game isn't as dangerous as Bama's. Um, 
but uh, I got to, I got to take the Crimson Tide in this SEC championship, no doubt about it. Uh, excuse me, I'm checking one second here. Oh boy, I'm trying to pull. I'm trying to pull up my playoff picture here. There we go. So right now it sits as Bama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Georgia. So obviously Notre Dame is an independent team still, so they're ranked third. They'll get a third playoff spot. I, I can't see them losing a playoff spot. That's just me. So, I mean, they're 12-0. and 0. They beat the teams they're supposed to beat. They'll, they'll stick at that third spot. And uh, so it'll be... Probably be Clemson, Notre Dame, and then right now they have Bama and Georgia. Obviously, uh, Georgia 11 1, they'll drop out. Oklahoma will win, they'll get that fourth spot. It'd be Bama, Oklahoma, and then Clemson, Notre Dame. That's the way I see it. Right. That's my prediction, anyhow. So, unless somehow, some miraculous miracle that Notre Dame drops out, I don't see that happening. So, and at the bottom, the, behind there, uh, fifth Oklahoma, but they'll jump up. Ohio State, uh, they're six, so they do have, they do have a slim chance, but I don't see it happening because you got Central Florida who's eleven to zero. Hell, they even still got Michigan right under them, at ninth, and then Texas. So, like I said, in order for Ohio State to get in there, Texas has to win, Georgia has to win, Pittsburgh has to win. And then Ohio State will be able to jump up. But I don't see that happening whatsoever. Because Notre Dame's going to stay in that one spot. Bama's going to stay at that. Bama's going to stay in the playoff picture regardless, even if they win. I There's no way I see them dropping out. So, if say, hypothetically, Georgia wins. So, it'd be Bama, Georgia. And then if Pittsburgh wins, if they pull, somehow pull off a miracle against Clemson, then Oklahoma will jump up and Notre Dame will stay and Ohio State will miss it probably at number five, number six spot. But uh, that's just the way I see it. I, I just I wish the playoff pictures were bigger. This is where a lot of controversy comes into play for a lot of people. I wish it was eight teams. You know what I mean? Because you look at Bama, Clemson, Notre Dame, Georgia, that's four, then Oklahoma, Ohio State, Central Florida, and Michigan. It's a, I would love to see an eight-team playoff picture. I mean, it. We got to give credit where credit's due. I know Central Florida; they don't play. They don't play big, big. You know, their conference doesn't help. But still, I mean, twenty-four consecutive wins, man. I mean, they're ranked ninth in the nation. You got to give credit where credit's due. And that's where I think it should be an eight-team playoff picture. But. Unfortunately, BCS don't work like that, and they only wanted four teams. So I don't agree with it, but it is what it is. It'd be it'd be funny, exciting to see an eight-team playoff picture. Uh, you know, it'd be hypothet- if 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 it was an eight-team, we see what it'd be: Bama, Michigan, and Clemson, Central Florida, and then Notre Dame, Ohio State, and then Georgia, Oklahoma. If it was to start today. I, you know, and I just I think it's unfair because honestly, 
if Georgia loses this game, say they lose by a field goal against Bama, they put up a hell of a fight, they're going to drop out because they're ranked fourth when it comes to the playoff picture. I don't think that's right. They have one loss and they drop out of the college football playoff picture. I just don't think that's right. That's why it needs to be 18 playoff picture. Excuse me. And then Central Florida, they went undefeated last year. And I, I do realize they lost their starting quarterback and they faced Memphis. But, you know, if they do beat Memphis, they're 12-0 and on the season. They deserve a shot. I mean, it's that's back-to-back seasons where they went undefeated, right? So, I, I don't know. I just, I, I don't agree with it. And it just, I, I don't know. Um... Yeah, I just I, I don't I don't agree with that. I just I wish it was an 18 playoff picture, but that's just me. But uh, I don't think we'll ever get that. So the way uh, the way this week ends, the pictures could be Bama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Oklahoma. Georgia would drop out because they'll lose to Bama. Um, like I said, if it's a close game, Georgia deserves to. S- to sit, stay in that spot, perhaps, but I don't know. I don't agree with it. It's a similar scenario when a couple years ago when Bama lost to LSU in the SEC championship, and they end up getting a rematch in the national title game, and end up winning that game. So um, I don't know. I I like I said. I I wish there was an 18 playoff picture for college football, but I don't think it'll ever happen. It'd be great, but. Nonetheless, um, it is what it is when it comes to BCS play. But, um, I mean, to be fair, it should be. <laughs> if, we're, if we're talking record-wise, it should be Bama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Central Florida. Cause, uh, Central Florida wins this week. They'll be 12-0. and Notre Dame's 12-0. and They're done with their season. Clemson would be 13-0. Bama would be 13-0. All four teams undefeated. Playoff picture right there. I mean, that's... If you want to go by record-wise, I know they go by schedule, but I'm just saying uh, statistically when it comes to records, I mean, at the, at, at the end of this week, we're going to have four teams that are undefeated. Four teams that are undefeated this year, and one of them isn't going to make the playoffs because of their conference. In the University of Central Florida, but I don't know. But uh, if y'all got your opinions, please uh, let me know. Uh, shoot me a message. I'd love to hear your opinions on, on what you want the college football playoffs to be. But uh, with that being said, um, that's the final segment of the day. I hope everyone has a great week. Uh, stay warm. Snow is coming down. Hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. It's Cyber Monday. Hope everyone had a safe Black Friday. Christmas is upon us. Uh, check balances can be looking real weak, real quick. So, with that said, this is the Injured Reserve, and thanks for listening.